1: Hello, and welcome to episode 94 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the Observer's Notebook, and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. Thank you for downloading and listening. The ALPO collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomena and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar Planetary Observers, also known as a strolling astronomer. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you do enjoy what you hear in the podcast, you can donate to it via Patreon by giving as little as one dollar a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast. You can help us out by going to www.patreon, that's P A T R E O N, dot slash Observer's Notebook. And if you'd like to join the ALPO, membership begins at only $18 a year. For more information, you find us at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And you can also find the ALPO on Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And yes, this here podcast has its own Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. If you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, that way you'll never miss another episode of The Observer's Notebook. And now, episode 94, with solar observer extraordinaire, Tia Ramsmecker. Enjoy. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to the Observer's Notebook podcast. We have a special guest today, a solar observer, Theo Ramakers. Welcome to the podcast, Theo. Uh, I'm doing great, uh, Tim, and glad to be here. Great. Now, why don't you give everybody a little, back, little background about yourself, where you're from, uh, I believe you're retired, things like that.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Uh, that's one of the best things. Uh, <laughs> I I came to this country about 50 years ago and uh, I come from the Netherlands uh, and uh, I uh, went to upstate New York, worked for a company there in computers for a while and uh, then eventually went to Atlanta or the Atlanta area, I should say, and I moved uh, basically to the east side of Atlanta. And... Um, uh, I traveled a lot internationally, uh, so I, uh, I had a pretty busy uh, job. Um, and then uh, when I got, I think it was about 60, I was in my 60s. My kids, they bought me one year, they bought me a, uh, a telescope for Christmas. Yeah. And uh, that really got me back into what I really liked when I was a kid, in the Netherlands, uh, you know, looking in the night sky.
1: Interesting. So you you had the interest at a young age and just work and life got in the way for for a yeah. while? Absolutely, yeah.
0: And I was glad it came back. <laughs> That's great. So what was your first telescope? It was a meat. It was a four and a half inch uh, Newtonian. And, uh, you know, I really liked it. You know, it was really an eye opener for me again. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, after a few times using it, uh, you know, I, I, it wouldn't do the things that I wanted it to do. And so uh, pretty soon after that, I invested in uh, into a C29 uh, nine, nine and a quarter. And uh, that was an alt-ass. And that really is a lot of good job. So I really like that.
1: Great. Now, you said you're currently living in the Atlanta area? I still live in the Atlanta area. Yeah. So you probably have the same thing in common that about five or six other people I've interviewed for this uh, podcast, the Charlie Elliot Astronomy.
0: Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. I uh, when I <coughs> got the telescope, I started looking on the web on if there was a club in the neighborhood, and uh, sure enough, there was the Atlanta Astronomy Club, and then uh, there was a chapter which was the the Charlie Elliot uh chapter of the atlanta astronomy club and uh, i went the first opportunity that i got uh, i went there and uh, you know i just really got uh, hooked by what the people were saying and how friendly they were and they really you know welcomed me with open arms and uh, i I really felt well Uh, then after being a few years there in 2008 I became the director of uh, Charlie Elliott Astronomy and uh, was that for three years. That's
1: fantastic. Yeah, everybody I've talked to that's associated with that organization I'm impressed with. I mean, it, it yeah, seems I, to be, uh, it seems it be like the pinnacle of astronomy clubs. If you're going to have an astronomy club, this is a good one to model yourself after.
0: It, it's really great. And, uh, you know, I've been, uh, maybe I'm an outsider here or an outlier, whatever you want to call it, you know, I do solar primarily, and the other ones they have evolved from when we were doing astronomy back in the uh around 2010, 2008, 11. Um, a lot of it was focused on uh, the solar system, on uh planets, you know, planetary imaging. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Larry Owens, uh, he was a great guy in that, and he t- he taught us all how to do it, so you know, we were all happy for that, and um. Yeah, that it, it's it's really if anybody lives in this area, come and see us.
1: That's very good. Now you mentioned solar observing, and I, I tell you, I, every day I see images on my to, on my on my computer of images of the sun that you have taken. Oh, where wow. did the, where did this interest in solar observing come from?
0: Well, I, I'm kind of a curious person, you know. I, I'm always wondering why are things in a certain way. And uh, I all, that, that that's what got me in computers. And, uh, you know, you always are looking for, for problems to solve and then to program things and do the things around. And so that is in my blood, I guess, to uh, look for those things that you don't understand and to try to dig into it and find out an answer to it. And with solar, you know, obviously stars and uh, the moon and all that are, are very interesting. But, you know... The sun is a lot closer, and I think uh, by being retired like I'm, you know, I'm 77 now, so you know, it uh, it's not that easy anymore to to uh, put your rig up and out in the dark and all that. So during the day, it makes a lot of sense to do that, and uh, that's that's maybe why I focused on solar.
1: That's good. You don't you don't have to worry about staying up late, and you can take your nap in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, and- <laughs>
0: enjoy life. And so what I did initially, you know, one of the things that I'm so thankful for is what the country gave me. And I really had a great job and I made a good living and uh, I'm pretty happy for that. And I wanted to give something back to the community. So when I was the director of Charlie Elliott in 2008, we really focused very, very heavily on outreach. And uh, we would do (laughs) outreach events. At schools, uh, there was a buddy of mine, Frank Garner, and I, we teamed up most of the time. And we would go to the schools, you know, many, many times a year. You know, I remember in, uh, I think it was 2014 or 2013, I think I did 68 events. And these are not just events. These are days at the school. And so you go to the school and they have five classes from the morning until afternoon and so every class you go in do a presentation and then you take them outside and let them look at the sun and you explain exactly what they're seeing so they get a pretty good understanding of what it is out there
1: yeah the sun is a great outreach activity for schools because it's easy to see i mean it's harder to get the kids back at the school in the evening you know but you you get them whether when they're a captive audience during the day that's 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 great
0: Yeah, and the way we did it is, uh, you know, um, one of the things that I learned pretty quick when I became the director of Charlie Elliot Astronomy was that you really capture the people's attention if you use audiovisual presentations and bring the music in it and and things like that where you can bring a crescendo where it really is very important and things like that. And that's what we did at Charlie Elliot. uh, If you go... If, you, if you're interested, you can go to YouTube. <clears throat> I still have a bunch of videos out of those days there. My handle at that time was uh, CE Orion Fan. So it is CE, for Charlie Elliot, CE Orion Fan, one word, and uh, you'll find uh, the videos that are there. And So look at uh, the two missions of Columbus. This was when uh, the Columbus module was delivered to the International Space Station, and I tied that back to Columbus when he made his first trip across the Atlantic. Oh, and, cool. uh, and there's some other things that I really tried to make it interesting to the kids to follow. And uh, so that, that really worked very well, I think. Yeah, out,
1: outreach is so important right now. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. unfortunately, we are limited in our current health environment of doing any of that right now, which is really terrible. But, uh... Yeah, and,
0: and the other thing, if you are retired and you have the time, I, I, I really do encourage everybody to do that. And you go to the schools, you can spend, if you can get a lab hour in the school, you know, that's an hour where you can have their full attention if you want. If you go to the STEM nights at night, I think they're very restrictive because, you know, you're one of many. Right. And so they walk by and maybe they, they're interested, maybe not. Uh, if you are in 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 a classroom and you have thirty kids, or they bring two classes in one classroom, you have sixty kids, or or forty, or something like that. Now, really, you can really make it very interesting for these kids to learn something.
1: That's great. That's great outreach. Yeah. Wonderful. What what was there an event or something that sparked your interest in
0: astronomy initially? Um, not really. Um, it was uh, well. Obviously, I shouldn't say that. Um, uh, obviously, when I grew up, I'm sorry, when I got into computing, uh, that was in the 60s. And so in the 60s, we had obviously the the space program here mm-hmm. in the United States and the computers that they used in those days, they were pretty much the same what we used in our, in our commercial applications. And so there was a, a connection there that, you know, what I did at work, you know, other people here across the Atlantic—they were doing that to bring a, a rocket to the moon. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, um, so with astronomy, that was just—you think it was just the space program that got you int- interested? That in- got me.
0: Yeah, that got me really interested. And then, and then, obviously, the the Boy Scouts in the Netherlands—they are uh, they're different a little bit, than what the, they are here. Here, there is a lot of parent parents that are involved in that. Over there at the time when I grew up, it was not. It was just a group of kids, and then there was a leader. And so we went a lot camping under the dark skies. And so we, uh, you know, you got to know the uh, constellations and things like that. So there was a lot of uh, nurturing in early days also, I believe, that uh, got you know got me kind of hooked on that. And then when later on when I got my telescope, now all of a sudden, you know, hey, now I could do it all, right? And so uh, that's what I try to do. <laughs> that's great.
1: Now, is there someone that influenced you the most in astronomy or solar astronomy?
0: Yeah, no, not in solar astronomy. But when I came to uh, Charlie Elliott, that first meeting—you know, you're new and mm-hmm. you walk into a dark into a dark room—and uh, it it really was a nice setting. The way they did it, it was not lit up. It was kind of when you move in. Uh, walk into a movie theater it was kind of dimmed a little bit and then the the projector showed some stars or what and there was some music playing in the background anyway so you walk in there and you're completely new you have basically no connection to any of Mm them, and uh, so you look around and all of a sudden I saw this guy sitting in the corner (laughs) and big smile on his face you know and uh, and I thought oh wow Go, go over there, right? <laughs> uh, that's what I did. That was John Wood. Okay. Uh, and John Wood, he, uh, he he basically was my mentor in the early days of astronomy. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away in 2010. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, he was very young at that age. and uh, But we were able to name the field for him. So now if you... Look at the map. You will see John Woodfield. So that's our astronomy field.
1: That's great. That's great. Now, how did you get involved with the ALPO?
0: How did I get to the, the ALPO? Okay. Obviously, one of the members at Charlie Elliott is uh, uh, Ken Shetley. Uh, Ken, obviously, is always there uh, making advertising for ALPO. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, it was less than a year, and I was a, an ALPO member. So uh, that, that came pretty easy.
1: Yeah, Ken has a way of, of pulling people into the organization. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's he true. did.
0: And and so uh, that's that's really how I came into the uh into the Alpo. That's that's great. Now with your yeah.
1: solar observatory, what type of equipment
0: do you use? Um okay, what do I use? This is interesting too. You asked me about, uh, you know, people that got me interested in solar. When we were doing the solar uh, I had a 90-millimeter uh, uh, a refractor, and I used a solar filter on it. But Frank, Frank Garner, he had a, a hydrogen alpha scope, and uh, that really interested me very much because now I could see a lot more what right. was happening on the sun. And so uh, since we were doing so much of it, and I was kind of driving that, uh, one day we had another member in the club, which was uh, Steve Ramsden, and a lot of you people might know him or heard his name. Uh, he is the owner and the manager of uh, Charlie Bates' uh, solar astronomy program, a uh, project. And uh, so one one day we were doing an outreach event at Charlie Elliott for a group of schools that were there. And at the end of it, all of a sudden Steve comes up and he says, well, we are going to give the first award for the Charlie Bates uh, project here and we're going to give it to Theo Rammoggers. And so he gave me a, uh, a Calcium K PST and a cam- and, a, and a, a camera. I think it was oh a D- DMK. And that's what Steve has done over the years. He always was very uh, wow. good in that, in getting people's attention and giving the equipment to start with. And so that now I had a Calcium K-scope. And, but it's still not what I really wanted to have, right? I wanted to get the nitrogen alpha. So a right. couple of years later, I invested in a Solar Max forty and uh, a double stack, and I'm still using that one. So uh, that really is a great working horse.
1: Yeah. Now you do photography with this equipment, obviously, because I've I've seen your images in Sky and Telescope as well.
0: Yeah. I uh, one of the things that I think. Uh, that I pay a lot of attention to is, is publicity. Um, and Charlie Elliott. I hate to go back there all the time, but I think that that was, that was such a great, great time. Uh, we used to do a lot of, uh, writing articles for the local, uh, newspapers, you know, for example, uh, uh I was in, uh, a member of the, the Night Sky Network, and also uh, I was a uh, NASA JPL solar system ambassador. Yeah, so much. Yeah, from 2011 until 2016. And uh, at that time, I was getting at an age where I just felt I couldn't do it all anymore. So Mm -hmm. that's when I quit that. But we did a lot of uh, articles for local newspapers. And uh, uh, as part of the – you're still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, I'm sorry. As part of the uh, um, uh, Solar System Ambassador Program, I got an invitation to go and see the launch of Curiosity. Uh, and that was in 2008. And yeah. I, went to, I went there and it was so excited. And so I wrote a big article about it and it got published in six newspapers here in the area. And a lot of people liked it. And so uh, other things that we did is like we did ISS crossings in, in, uh, of the sun or the moon. Okay. And uh, we, we published that. And then my the, the one image that I, or actually it was a sequence that I'm very proud of is, is uh, the ISS crossing of Venus. And we did this at four o'clock in the afternoon, you know, in, in full daylight. And so we oh, had my. trouble finding Venus, but once we had Venus, now we have to get the SSS uh, the ISS and uh, but we got it and so that was a real great thing and that's uh, like that's,
1: finding a needle in a haystack right there that's that's tough yeah.
0: and and that made it uh, I'm pretty proud of that at the planetary image uh, what is it the planetary society uh, they put it in the block and uh, it got a lot of attention there fantastic too another thing that that I think was Oh, it's slipped my mind now. What was he going to say? <laughs>
1: anyway. That's great. Now, do you do any other observing besides solar?
0: No. But primarily, I do solar, but it's not only the observing that I do. The, the interest that I have is like I said in the beginning. It is not just, you know, uh, looking at the sun and imaging the sun and making. I care less about the pretty pictures than what's behind it. And so, what I did is when I started back in, uh, I think it was in 2014, yeah, 14. it was in 2014, that's when I started on. I started <clears throat> subscribing to NOAA's uh, GeoA GO, uh, report, and okay. that report is being sent out every day, and it gives you all the information that you need to have about the sun. It is a coded report, so it, it doesn't list exactly, you know, the there are that many uh, flares and there are that many uh, uh, sunspots. Word. It is all coded up. and But once you understand the code, then it's very simple to start building a database. And I started building a database, and then I started using my database and analyzing what went on. So in 2016... Actually, it was in the middle of 2016. I wanted to see how uh, the solar, uh, the solar flares or the probability of solar flares, how they stack up compared to the growth of an active region or the growth of the sunspots before that event. And uh, I spent a lot of time on that, and uh, I tried to get it published in the, uh, in the Jalpo. The only problem with that, that was that there were a lot of colors in it, because it was so, you know, you had to show mul- uh, multiple dimensions, and to show that in a two-dimensional area is, is pretty hard to do, if you cannot use colors. And uh, so it took us about three years to get that finally out as a monograph, and I'm glad I can, uh, published it last month as a monograph in, uh, uh, on, on the Alpo site. So that's, that's, that's great. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. Now, this and project, then, this project, you came up with your own. You didn't have
0: any. Yeah. That, 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 I came up up. my, uh, the, I, that's what I did myself. In fact, I have continued doing that. And so I have, uh, currently I, because I really liked what I was doing there, I expanded the data back to the beginning of the solar cycle 24. And uh, I, I, I had to go to the NOAA site and boy, I had to dig and dig. And I came, you know, I came to the FTP sites and downloaded and, and keyed in data for months, you know. <laughs> wow. But I really wanted to do that. And I, so I got all the data uh, in, uh, in my database. And so now I'm looking at trying to basically do a similar thing for the entire cycle 24. And uh, I, I my initial uh, results are there's so much that it, it's overwhelming and I need to sit back again and kind of see what is the right way to do this. But I uh, th- that's what I really like to do is, uh, you know, dig into those uh, questions that are not easily answered.
1: Yeah, now you mentioned cycle 24. You're talking solar cycle? Solar. Uh,
0: I, I'm talking about, yeah, solar cycle 24, yeah.
1: And how long is a solar cycle?
0: Well, that uh, that varies. Uh, you know, if you go back, uh, I did an article in the, the Jalpo, <coughs> which came out last month, I think, and uh, you'll see that if you look back, uh, I went back to all the way to... 1874, I believe, and looked at from solar cycle 12 all the way up to 24. And uh, you'll see it vary. Uh, The minimum time that it is is about 10 years. And the maximum we have is about a little over 12. And so the rest varies in it. And it's interesting also, if you start looking at how, you know, everybody likes the, the, the sunspots, right? But if you look at the sunspots, how big they are today, or, or if I say today, uh, I would have to say, you know, in the last few years, they're really tiny compared to what they used to be. If you right. go back and you look at the, the data from the mid, mid-century mid of last, uh, the last century, you know, in the 40s and 50s, they were huge. You know, they uh, were happy today if we get one that is in the high 2000s, uh, in those days, you know, you, you had, I think I counted 116 or something like that, uh, wow. that were over that size. And then that was one that was 6,200 two, 6, or something like that. So they were huge in those days. And uh, th- that is interesting to see the correlation uh, between the sunspots and the length of the solar system, what was the time, between two solar cycles where these big areas started to appear. And uh, so if, if you're interested in that, look at that article, and uh, it, give you, it gives you a lot of information there.
1: Okay, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, this solar minimum has been going on quite a while, it seems, in my opinion. And I believe right now it's starting to pick up a little bit. Is that what you're
0: seeing? Well, I have my own theories about that. And if I look at uh, the minimum that we had between 22 and 23, Uh, I see, uh, I I measure one of the the measuring sticks that I use is the total active region area for a day. So in other words, if you have multiple active regions, uh, uh, most people, they do, they count how many there are, how many sunspots there are. I don't do that. Well, I mean, I will, I will register the, the, the wolf number, but what I do is I will register the total size of the area. And then I add them up for the day, and then that gives me a yardstick of how the sun is doing today. Okay. Uh, And I do that for every day, and so then I do it also for the, the rotation. So I can see how rotations, how they increase and, in activity and go down in activity, and if I look at on the other side, if I look at the minimums, I look at the sun, the the spotless days for uh, for a period, and if I compare that to uh, what we are having today, to what we had in uh, the minimum 23, 24, uh, there were, for example we had we had five we had yeah, we had five uh, spotless streaks that were higher than twenty five days, so really? we had only three, okay uh, if I look at today, we have eight already, but the big difference between then and now is that of the five there were three that were really, really big, and the biggest ones that we had in that period was uh, 44 days, 51 days, and 52 days. Whereas today, in the, in the current minimum, we have uh, the maximum that I have, and, and my numbers are different than what maybe other people have because I use uh, the Space Weather Prediction Center's uh, numbers rather than the, the numbers that come from Belgium. So, uh, th- and then today we have. 30, uh, 43 and 36, that's what I got today, compared to the, the 51, 52 and 44. So I am still looking for some real long psych, uh, streaks to happen. And if I compare that time-wise on the, the scale of time, then we are doing really long already now, but I haven't seen those long periods yet. And so I'm still hoping and, and looking for a streak that is going to be longer than the thirty-six or the 44 that we uh, 43 that we have so far. Right. So wow. it, it's, I think it's going to be a little long.
1: Okay. Now your, your observations that you do daily, what type of instruments do you use and what wavelengths are you observing it?
0: Yeah. My standard, my standard setup is uh, that I, like I said, I still have the old uh, PST from Steve Ramson and I need to get that, uh, uh, it needs some tender loving care I need to get it resurfaced you know the, the surfaces are getting corroded I'm, I'm now talking about the optics right? the optic filters and so I need to send that in and have that done but that, that's for the calcium K and then on the hydrogen alpha I used the, the solar max 40 it, it's a small scope but it's a real workhorse and uh, uh, I have had no problems with it for about eight years, at which time the blocking filter started to corrode it also. And so I had that refurbished and uh, they sent it back and now it works like new again. And then for white light, I use a, uh, a Stellar re, uh, 90 millimeter uh, refractor and I have a man a homemade filter for it. Uh, I like the, the solar filters that they sell, but you know, I, what I really like is I I like a lot of light, and what what the current what the solar filters have that you buy in the in the regular uh, uh, shops is is typically five micron, and so it takes away a lot of the light, so that it is safe for you to look through it with your regular eyes. So right. you don't you know you don't uh, damage your eyes. What what I do is I like to get very short exposure times, because that will take away a lot of the distortion that the uh, higher atmosphere gives us. And so I use a 3.8 micron filter that is not safe for visual viewing, uh, but it it does wonders with, you know, with your uh, uh, imaging uh, because you get so much light. Okay. Now, do you use the same? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Now, and then uh, as a mount, I have uh, I have a, uh, what's it called, a Skywatcher EQ6, and that has served, served me very well. So uh, uh, that's about the setup that I use.
1: Okay. Is it permanently mounted? Do you have an observatory, or do you have to lug everything out every day?
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> when I was living in, uh, when I started uh, with Charlie Elliott, I lived in Social Circle, which is about, 15 miles to the east from here. And uh, I built an observatory there. And then, you know, when I uh, got retired and all that, we wanted to scale down with the house. The house was too big. I, uh, the guy that bought the house, he said, you know, what about your shed there? And I said, well, what? You, I'd like to take that with me. He said, oh, I like it too. I said, I said, well, you buy the house, you keep it. <laughs> so I left my observatory there and... Uh, Today I just have three spots marked on the on the concrete. Uh, that's where the legs from my uh, tripod go. And if I put it there and I mount my uh, telescope, it is exactly polar aligned. Hmm. So it, it at least let me put it this way: it's it's enough polar aligned for solar observing.
1: Yeah, you don't have to worry about long exposures when you're taking pictures of the sun.
0: That's right. So. Uh, You know, I deal with, you know, uh, half a minute or so, and then that's it. And then I got everything I want. Wow. But, uh, yeah, that's what I do. And then, uh, yeah, let me see.
1: Do you use the same camera on all the scopes, or do you have different
0: cameras? No, cameras, I I started off initially with a uh, a Philips, uh, the toy cam, and uh, that served me well when I started initially with with the planetary imaging and that. That's what I used in that. Then I bought a DMK. Uh, and I, in fact, I had had two DMKs and I still have them both. <clears throat> but I ended up uh, with a, actually with two CWO cameras, uh, the ASI 120 mm and the ASI 174 mm. Uh, I like the 174, but it has a little bit big big of a pixel. It's uh, it's about 5.4 mic. And uh, but then the 120 is a lot smaller, and so uh, the 120 gives a lot more resolution. But the problem is it it's uh, it creates very fast. Uh, New tornier rings, and so you need to uh, make flats and all that stuff to get rid of that, and so it is a lot more work. But uh, those are the cameras that I use: two DMKs and uh, and two zoos.
1: Okay, yeah, it's it's impressive. I mean, uh, it's I've always tried to you know get out every night, and but you do this every single day. I, I mean, try. It, it, I try. it's yeah. it, it's is it frustrating when you go out? Because I think I've joked with you on Facebook about this, where it looks like the same photograph you've just posted the same day, three days in a row, because, <laughs> because there's nothing on the sun. Is it frustrating to you sometimes when you do the setup and take the images and there's nothing?
0: No, that, it, it, no it, it's not at all. It's not frustrating at all. And let me tell you why. <clears throat> okay. And I come back again to the curiosity in me that that, that I always show. Um Even if the sun is, it it looks like it's a spotless day, and it is not, because if you really start looking and dig into it, uh, there's a lot of activity going on. And uh, you have these little areas on the sun that even in solar minimum show up, and particularly if you have a hydrogen alpha or a calcium K uh, telescope, uh, you see these areas, and and some of them are reverse polarised. And so that brings me to another study that I'm doing right now. I started since uh, the beginning, uh, since the middle of uh, the last uh, maximum, I kept looking for reverse polarized areas. Okay. So I started looking for uh, cycle 25 indications. And so I, uh, I have on the ALPO website, In the solar section, there is a tab somewhere where you can go and look at uh, at at the images that I made of uh, reverse polarized areas, and and you know most people they say it's the same the same sun, and to me it's totally different because you will see this little this little area that's reverse polarized or cycle twenty four polarized, you know, Uh, and so you. You make out with what you can, and and right. that's what I'm doing. I uh, I really milk the cow to the end, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, no data is actual data.
1: You know that's yeah, the thing. That's, if you it, it's, exactly. it's it's you're still coming to a conclusion. And you're looking for the activity, and yeah, it's like yeah, the
0: more you look, the more you see. Yeah, and then and then you start uh, measuring them. I do all the measuring myself. You know, I, I use WinJupas for that. I, uh, I started using Windupos very, very early on uh, in my imaging areas. And so I log all that stuff, and then I measure the image and see exactly where they are on the solar disk. And then you can start, t- you know, making statistics and uh, and graphs and things like that. And so you can then show where this, this moves to. And, and th- that's what's interesting to me right now. But so... Even though we're in solar minimum, the sun is as interesting to me now than it is always.
1: <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah, it's I, like I say, I, I see images from you every single day on the internet, and I'm just like, I'm amazed that you know. Hey, it's cloudy here, you know, <laughs> but it's not cloudy in Georgia, so that's good.
0: Yeah, well, it, it, the same year, right? If it's cloudy, I cannot do it, and yeah. I, I like to do my observing in the morning. Uh, the afternoon there's always something else to do but right. you know if I can then I make that I make my images. and if there's something interesting for if there's an interesting uh prominence or something like that then I'll do that too I in fact I, I I've early on have some some very interesting prompts so uh where I caught some CMEs you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, leaving the sun, and you're making an, uh, animations. Yes. Yeah, you're making an animation from that, and that's cool. You know.
1: So you're an amateur astronomer. You're not a professional, and you're doing actual science of the sun.
0: Uh, I try to.
1: <laughs> well, it, it sounds to me like you are. I mean, it's like a research project that you're working on. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, that's, it's. I'm always. I'm. I'm always interested in learning more, and uh, if I can teach myself, then that's great. If others help in that, that's even better. Uh, and if I can inspire other people, then that's even better than that. That's fantastic too. Wow. Do you have any
1: other information you want to share with our listeners?
0: Uh, let me quick. No, I, I talked about my, uh, no, i talked okay. about reverse polarized areas that I'm working on right now. Uh, that's about it. I think, you know, Oh, one, one more thing that is interesting. I think, uh, and uh, when we had the, the not the last, uh, Mercury Transit, uh-huh. uh, but the one before a couple of years back, I think it was in 2016, I believe, um, uh, I, I calculated the, the length of the AU, and that was a real great uh, program from the Astronomical League where uh, they basically showed you how you could calculate the distance between the sun and the earth uh, based on uh, making an image from Mercury from where you were. And then also overlaying that to an image that somebody else made somewhere else. And so you could use the, uh, the distance to calculate the angle and then based on that, ah. you could. and uh, I came pretty close. So that, that, that was really cool. I used an image from uh, uh, the big bear. And uh, okay. exactly the same time, I made my image, and then I downloaded it, overlaid it, and and that I got it. <laughs> that's great too. Wow,
1: fantastic! Now, if there's aspiring solar observers out there, how should they get a hold of you?
0: Uh, they can always uh, send me an email. My uh, email address is uh, Theo. That's T H E O at C E Astronomy dot O R G. That's C-E for Charlie Elliott and astronomy. And that's all one word. So teo at ceastronomy.org.
1: And I'll put a link with your email address in the show notes where after people hear this, if they want to chat with you, they'll be able to look you up and talk to you.
0: That's cool. And then I have my website. They can always go to my website also. Uh, I I don't only post them on Facebook, but I have my own blog. Uh, And that is, and that ceastronomyorg astronomyorg slash
1: t Okay. And I will add that in addition to the, uh, in the show notes as well, too. Okay. All right. Well, sir, this has been a lot of fun chatting with you today.
0: Okay, Tim. Thanks a lot for the opportunity. I appreciate it.
1: All right. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. I again want to thank our special guest, Solar Observer Theo Ramakers, for coming on the podcast today. It was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it. We upload a new episode of the Observer's Notebook on the 1st and 15th of every month. You can subscribe on iTunes. If you, if you do, please rate and review us. I really appreciate it. And you can also listen to us on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, and Amazon Echo. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon by giving up to $35 a month where you will receive one year's membership to the ALPO and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I want to thank the producers of this podcast, Steve Seidentop and Michael Moyer for their generous support of The Observer's Notebook. Thank you very much. The link for Patreon as well as the link for the ALPO is in the show notes. If you have questions, comments on the podcast, or just want to chat, you can email me at cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at, at observers and B Until next time, my hope is you have clear and steady skies and stay healthy out there, everybody. Thank you for listening.